0: Hey, dude! This dog like stinks, man. Okay, groomer, do something about it, man. Five, four, three, two, one, one, zero. All engines running. Lift off. We
1: have a lift off. Hey, all you pet stylists! You found the groom pod. Welcome to our virtual salon. My name is Susie, and I'm your host. I'm a mobile groomer from Seattle, Washington, and anyone who knows me will tell you I love to talk, especially about my job. One of my favorite people to talk to is my friend and mentor and co star of the show, Miss Barbara Bird. Yo, girl, what's up? I just realized that this whole week, I think I've been a day off on the date, you know? Like April twenty third. Wait a minute. I thought yesterday was April twenty third. So I've written the wrong date on all my cards this week. <laughs> Welcome to episode three seventy one of the Groom Pod, recorded on April twenty third, surprise, twenty twenty three in Snohomish, Washington, and Tucson, Arizona. This podcast is brought to you by our kind sponsors: Best Shot, Show Season, Evolution, Cheers, Groomer, and Stazco. And you guys, if you go to our website. GroomPod.com. You can support us as well by clicking on the donation button for a one time donation or joining us on Patreon. This week on The Groom Pod, it's hair repair revisited, and that includes a definition du jour glutamic acid. What's new this week is brought to you by Groomore Software. If you haven't found Groomore, you're missing out. Groommore is an all in one software solution for your grooming business. Whether you are a solo mobile groomer or manage several shops, Groommore has everything you need 24 hour online booking and forms, routing, credit card processing, reminders, Google Calendar and QuickBooks integration, and so much more. And the best customer service anywhere. Shop, mobile, or house call. Groomer has you covered. And they're giving us a free month. Just enter GroomPod22 in the coupon code. I had a weird thing happen this week. No. You remember the cat that always bites the owner almost every single time I do him? And the guy's a truck driver, and it's a Persian, and it's grouchy, and I just did it fairly recently, and it scratched up my thumb. Yeah, Yeah. Okay, so that cat... The lady sends me a text message and says, Gizzy's not acting normal. Something is really off with him. Is there a cheap solution for figuring out what's going on? <laughs> he's yeah. he's like fourteen years old, right? I said, At this age, I think really your only solution is a vet visit. You can try Banfield or Value Vet. I gave her some options in her area. But the cat is really difficult to handle no matter what. So I was feeling like I didn't want to send him to my vet anyway. (laughs) These guys are fairly experienced value vet. So they did make an appointment and they took the cat in. It died at the vet. It could have so easily died on me with the way the man handled the cat. Oh, man, you got that bullet. Yeah. He had a pulmonary edema. His heart was surrounded with fluid. And... They didn't know. They knew something was up. The cat was howling a lot. I suggested more than once that they probably should get the cat checked out. That stress level that the cat faced every time we groomed him, that could have so easily been me. Easily. Oh, I know. I know. I
0: know. You are so lucky and you are so right to press to see the vet. You know, God, what if you
1: hadn't? I know. And I groomed him again. That would have been me. Maybe stress would have been you. Yeah. That was a close freaking call. And I was feeling like they weren't going to take him to the vet because she was so tight with the money. She didn't want to go to the vet. And I couldn't offer her anything but go to the vet. I can't tell you what's wrong with your cat. You've been saying this for a year now. So no more gizzy. I guess my hands will be safe now because the rest of my cats are all lovely. (laughs) I'm just not doing cats anymore. I figure you've got a few more years. You'll probably reach that
0: point at some time. They're risky. They are. That's just the truth. Big phew. I don't even have a sound effect. That was a quick exit, but probably very uncomfortable. And that cat had probably been suffering
1: for months maybe longer than that, because they told me he had been wandering around the house crying. And I know that they're on the top floor of a condo, so there's no other animals stimulating this. It was just him saying, I need help. And they wouldn't take him. Go take him to the vet. Take him to the vet. Take him to the vet. I sounded like a broken record. Now I'm glad I sounded like a broken record because after it happened, she instantly called me back and told me what had happened. She said, thank you for recommending that we go there something was very wrong with him and he didn't make it even through the exam so okay. yeah okay good hands bye yes <laughs> <See ya. laughs> so the my other thing that happened this week is i realized that my new water peeler that i got off of facebook the cns yeah. water peeler it actually makes a little bit of an annoying noise It's different than the other one. It's different than Marlene's. Marlene's doesn't make a wine. This one kind of makes a wine. And some of the dogs really don't like it. And I'm sure it's the noise because it's not any different in the pressure. So that was kind of a quasi-fail. I don't find myself using it. Instead, I've been using the old broken taped up one because it doesn't have the same quality of noise. And the other thing I figured out is now that noise is associated with the new table And some of the big dogs didn't want to get on the new table. And I think it's because of the noise from the dryer. It's the only thing that was different. When I'm now revisiting them after I used the right nozzle and not that really noisy one, now they'll get on the table again. My three-week dogs are getting back on the table. And I... I still love that table. That is the cat's pajamas that I can lift the dogs up and they can just walk over to the tub and walk back. And even though there's a little gap, most of them go over it just fine. I did find out that the top of my cabinetry, even though it was meant to be groomed on top of it, they surfaced it with the rhino liner and it gets slippery. So I throw a moisture magnet down so the dogs can walk on that. Plus it's a different color. It's not black, so it's easier for them to see. You know, I use these rather costly table covers with elastic
0: around them that are like toweling with elastic around them. And I really like them, which is why I keep buying them even when the elastic gives out or the toenails crash the toweling. You know, I have handy tables and that's boat decking, which is supposed to be not so slippery when wet. Oh, it's great. There's still dogs that are kind of sliding, and you can hear it when the groomer is, like, moving the dog around. I have a second dog that won't come in the shop that I allowed a certain groomer to take over. Mm -hmm. And that so concerns me. And you and I can talk real clearly about compassion and sensitivity to the dog's experience. But Dave has lost that. And he has lost that by grooming in other places that don't recognize and value the dog's experience. You know, he doesn't use happy hoodies very often. He doesn't use that tablecloth. And the other thing that the table cover does is it cuts down on noise because anytime you have absorbent fabric around it absorbs dBs you know it, it just helps and he waves the dryer nozzle around too much and he doesn't talk to the dogs. They need that. So I've got one assistant that babbles to the dogs constantly driving me crazy. And I've got another one that doesn't talk enough to the dogs. I mean, I've got employer burnout. I adore my groomer Dave. And he's a fabulous groomer. His grooms are so much better than mine anymore. I can do a short clip down and it's fucking perfect. I've lost that perfection. I don't care about it enough. I'd rather use snap-on combs than clipper blades. And his work is beautiful, but he doesn't value the dog's experience. And I just don't know how to confront him over that. I guess I just need to sit down and say, look, we got to talk about something. It's second dog that won't come in the building. He can't get him out of the car. It's my 14-year-old golden doodle that we've been grooming for her entire life. And now she doesn't want to come into my shop. She doesn't want to get out of her car. Once she's in, she's fine. But Yvonne had to try to drag her out of the car. She said it was a rodeo the whole distance, getting her out of the car and getting her
1: into the shop. And that breaks my heart. Yes, I've learned in my behavior class that... Having the dog's consent to go forward is a big thing for me. I didn't realize how important it was actually in my own philosophy of grooming that the dog be ready for the procedure and that they'd be okay with the procedure and stay calm during it. And when I ask for consent, it's just a matter of like in a nail trim, opening my hand and seeing if the dog pulls their foot away. If the dog lets their foot stay there, they're saying, okay, I'm ready to go. This is fine. If during the nail trim, the dog starts to pull their foot away, I check if they just need a moment. And oftentimes that's all they need. You just need to adjust their weight and then you pick the foot up and they go forward again. But you really do have to tune in. And when I'm drawing dogs, I touch the dogs often, not as I'm drawing them, as a pet. Check in. I
0: screen. Behind their ears sometimes, just with my my thumb and forefinger, because I know that they kind of like that spot, kind of know what kind of petting each dog likes. And I do a little bit of petting and, hey, we're doing good. And I just give them a little bit of feedback here and
1: there. Good girl. And some eye contact, because oftentimes, especially with that standard poodle who's young, And it takes me a long time to dry her in my trailer. I can't wait till it warms up. We have warm weather on the way. I'm so excited. It's so warm that we're now starting to hear about when is the cooler going to be on? (laughs) I say, well, come on up. It's all happening up here. (laughs) We're not even into the 60s yet.
0: I know. I know. I mean, like, I was hearing complaints about time to do the cooler. And she was also showing me real-time video of it snowing in Minnesota. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) When I'm drawing a dog that takes so long, the golden retrievers, the big Australian shepherds, the few doodles that I do, I always notice when the dog starts to check out, you know, where they're just kind of standing on the table and staring away from you as you're drawing them. And I get their attention and let them know that I'm paying attention to them, not just doing this thing for an hour, you know, which is basically making you stand there or sit while I blow air on you. It's so important. The dog's experience is so important. It's like the biggest thing for me.
0: I hear, well, it's just going to sound like complaints about my employees. I I don't really want to do that. I just want to figure out how to get them the happy medium. I would like to get the one that talks too much to shut up some and the one that doesn't talk enough to relate to the animals a little bit more. I think that he's not reassuring them that he's uh, paying attention to them. And I'm not sure that he is paying attention. He's not paying attention to them. They're actually right. And there's got to be a happy medium. But I, I have to say, Susie, that if I waited for dogs to leave their Paw in my hand before I clip the nails. I'd be sitting around all fucking
1: day. I do it all day long. I do it all day long. It's just my gift. I don't have a single dog that's gonna just like. Well, maybe I do, and I don't know it. Yeah, you gotta ask them. You'd be surprised. It changed my whole way of doing nails completely. Going into that class, these dogs that I have that won't let me do their heads, I can't
0: just put my palm under their chin and have them rest it there. And I then
1: scissor their heads. It ain't happening. Mm, I'm working on that too. I'm transitioning on that. But it's what I do. It's my thing. But I can't scissor a poodle. So don't flip me off that much, you guys. And she flipped me off. I'm going to tell. I'm telling. (laughs) I'm going to tell our listeners that you flipped me off. So the other thing I found out this week is that some of the dogs actually prefer to be dried in the bathtub over on the table. Part of the problem with the table is they can back a little bit too far away from me. Sorry, I just snuck up on the microphone. That's probably annoying. I'll have to fix that later. They can step a little bit too far away from me, and I can't quite reach them comfortably. And I don't like that. That's my complaint. And that's bad for your shoulders. Right. So... Yeah. This week, I've started doing most of their drying in the bathtub. Unfortunately, I can do about halfway up a golden retriever and down in the bathtub without going way out of my ergonomic safe space. So I've been doing as much of the bottom of the dog where the water doesn't drip right back down on top of it, then putting them on the lower table and doing the rest of them. And that has seemed to be a little bit more successful because I also had dogs that didn't want to go in. I've never had a dog not want to go in the trailer. Once they're away from mom and dad's eyes, they'll all go in the trailer. But yeah, I've had some very subtle changes and so I had to adjust the way I was doing things. But it's a learning curve. I have an ergonomic problem that I need to face in my shop
0: at my table because I have a table that is in view of the front door. And dogs, they like to be a certain direction so that they can see the door. And when I change and try to move them around so they're actually kind of facing the wall, if they look to the side, they're just seeing the corner, inside corner of the building. They're not looking out the window. They don't like that. And so I end up walking around my table and sitting at the other side of my table. Well, that chair... It doesn't elevate to the same height that my grooming chair does. I'm doing too much work with my hand over my head.
1: Right, over the safe zone.
0: Doing your heads like that. And, you know, it's kind of good for doing uh, the legs and doing the underline because I can kind of see up there and I can lift the back leg up and get around the underbelly there, around the private area, the inner thigh area. It's good for that, but it's not good for the head. And I'm coming home and noticing that I've got sore shoulders. My table doesn't go down anymore. This is my old electric table that I've had for like 30 years, 35, 40 years, maybe even 40 years I've had this table. And it doesn't go all the way down, and I can't put it down low enough enough to be able to work on these heads. And so I need to get a higher chair. This is like years later, I come to the conclusion, God, you know, you need to be in the same height on the other side of the table. This doesn't work for you if you're gonna do it like this. You either gotta turn the dog
1: or you gotta get a higher chair. I have the opposite problem (laughs) that's making me laugh, actually. My table doesn't go high enough. And my chair doesn't quite go low enough. If my chair went two inches lower, I would be totally perfect with this table. But it doesn't quite go low enough for the smallest dog heads. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, a, I'm stubborn and I don't want to replace my chair. Uh, but it looks like I'm probably going to have to find one that goes as high. I'm just high. so
0: happy that you're using a chair. Oh, yeah. Because I remember right here on the groom pod when you... Wouldn't use a chair, couldn't use a
1: stool, never mind. See, I can learn too. I evolve. I'm not stagnant. I keep going. I don't want to be stagnant. I want to keep learning.
0: I never, I don't want to stop learning. I don't want to stop improving. I don't want to stop changing. Yep. You know, except maybe I won't change my hair much anymore.
1: Oh, I like it the way it is. She's got a really nice new hairdo going on. It's a sweep over to the side, needs a little more color, but it looks really sharp. I think that's all that happened to me this week. Nothing else exciting. So shall we move on? Let's move on to the real meat of the matter. Where's the beef? Let's do it. Okay, break first, and then we will come up with our Hair Repair Revisited. Let me tell you about Best Shot's newest addition to the Ultramax Pro line. Ultramax Hair Hold is a flexible hairspray that can be layered on for a stronger hold. Ultramax Hair Hold spray is great, but my favorite new product is called the Max, and I won't groom without it. It's a fragrance-free, ultra-concentrate conditioner and detangler. It reduces drying time and handles undercoat and tangles like magic. Just a few drops in the final rinse or spray it on and dry it in. Contact your favorite Best Shot distributor or learn more online at bestshotpet.com. Grooming success begins with Best Shot in your tub. Made from the best stuff on earth. Ready, groomers? Here comes our first appointment. We have talked a handful of times over the years about hair repair, but as per the Groom Pod's motto, Better Living Through Science, there's always an evolution in thought and new things to learn and new stuff to talk about. So we're revisiting the hair repair issue. Barbara, I'm just going to pass it to you. Okay, so. We have said time and time
0: again, that you can't repair damaged hair or damaged pet coat. That hair is dead. It's keratinized and hard dead keratin before it even hits the surface of the skin. But it is, it, you can't, you cannot. Spit it out, Barbara. <laughs> spit it out. <laughs> It's non-nutritive. Okay. You can't neutralize it. What's the word? You can't feed it. Right. There's really a limit to what you can do once it's damaged. And everything damages hair, especially grooming. I'm just going to say that. I have never said especially grooming. I've always kind of put grooming in the same category of things that damage hair as sun and wind and friction and blood. Well, grooming damages hair. And I will go into much greater depth in my forthcoming webinar on coat damage in June. But right now... I want to talk about hair repair. Can anything be done once the damage is there? And we've always said, no, only temporary things can be done to kind of camouflage and temporarily give a different finish to the outer hair shaft. Well, that's true, but science is evolving in a way that these superficial surface treatments of the hair are becoming more substantive. They last longer. They strengthen the hair more. So they prevent further breakage more, further damage. The ultimate damage is when the hair shaft breaks. But you can have hair... In a damaged coat that are like hanging by a thread.
1: Yes, I have those for my ponytail holder thing is.
0: You have split ends. You can have a lot of frizz like I do, which I just call my cloud. I have come to embrace my frizz because it makes me look very goddess-like. Ethereal. <laughs> or witch-like, depending on your attitude. <laughs> um <laughs> But I have come to embrace my frizziness. I never try to flat iron and straighten my hair. Actually, it's not attractive on me because of my face shape and whatever. I I mean, I don't see it as attractive. So I never do that. I have old, damaged white hair. And I, I do think that hair without melanin in it is more fragile than hair with melanin in it. And that's a scientific study that I'd like to see done, or maybe I'll look it up. What I have found in the most recent, last like kind of five to 10 years of hair care research and development is that hair repair has become a big segment Of the hair care industry.
1: It's grown hugely. I've noticed that in commercials that there's a lot of restorative commercials out there.
0: Yeah, there's more talk about it, Uh, there's more marketing of it, and there's more attention in the important part of chemical supplier development. You know, the products begin with the chemical supplier, someone like Dow Chemical is a good example. They do a lot of research. They do a lot of experimentation with ingredients. They do a lot of ingredient development in terms of combining ingredients to be a compound ingredient, right? Right. They do a lot of work on trying to improve the performance of products for hair. And it begins there and then they kind of market it and sell it to the formulators who then buy it and try it in products and then market the skin repair products. One interesting element is that they don't say this out loud, but the part that's not out loud is that a little bit of buildup is a good thing. Well, that's part of the protection, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. There are times when you want to clarify the hair and you want to kind of get back to a zero balance of no fillers, no no nothing, no silicone, no nothing on the hair. Your bare naked hair. But bare naked hair is most susceptible to further damage, especially from styling things. And it's made worse in grooming because of our use of metal tools. You never see, if you look at hair care gurus, they're going to say, and by all means, never use metal tools. They're not going to, try to get you to use a metal comb or a metal brush, they're going to tell you, in fact, that it's more helpful to comb hair than it is to brush it. That brushing is the most, you know, like we used to think a hundred strokes of the brush a day. Yes. That is so old, old. That is ancient fallacy.
1: It wasn't right in the beginning. It's not right now. I think people who were brushing 100 strokes of their long hair every day had a lot of time on their hands. <laughs> <laughs> had a lot of hands. That's a lot of work. <laughs> that is a lot of work. Why do you think we do use metal combs? Because our industry, our tools, came
0: from the farm. Okay. Hair tools, they came from the bathroom, You know, they were developed for hair. Even back in the prehistoric days, they had big combs, wide tooth. They didn't have little tooth things. They had bone combs. And and, wood combs. Wood combs. And they didn't use metal combs. Our tools come largely from the wool industry and were adapted to other animals in the farm, and then moved into animal grooming in the home. We treat our animals' hair like it's wool. They don't groom wool more than once or twice before it becomes a scarf. And never when it's on the sheep. Well they wash it. In four H we used to. In four H we would card the coat. Oh. That was these big flat slicker. We would comb it all out and then we would pat it down. We would make a level top line by patting the coat back down on the top and saying we would box it. We would make it be boxy. Yeah, we would pat it down with the back of this large rectangular slicker brush. So what's happening nowadays is that there's much more instruction on how to work with human hair than there is any kind of instruction about how to care for dog hair or animal hair, cat hair. Some things are kind of passed along by show people. But what gets passed along is a lot of mythology, as well as important information, a lot of mixed information, some good, some bad. And most of it is just one person's experience. I don't think I've seen a really scientific grooming experiment, although I might not have found it yet. What I do find is that for humans, they're doing a lot of work on trying to find things that repair temporarily, but for longer periods of time, the broken and damaged areas of hair. And also, there's another big difference, and that's that more humans have long hair than Dogs. Mostly a groomer's work is cutting it. You know, how many full coated Afghan hounds do you groom? Zero. No, but I wish I could go back with what I know today and groom some of the ones that I've groomed in the past. I once groomed for a retired Afghan breeder and she had like 10 of them plus two shitsus plus two. Siamese, what are those long-haired Siamese? Himalayan. Something like that. Those long-haired Siamese cats that are pointed and everything. She had a couple of those. I wish I could go back and work with those 10 Afghan hounds. Maybe. Maybe I wish. Maybe I ought to be careful what I wish for. <laughs> I don't wish for that.
1: <laughs> no, Please my mistake (laughs) you got that yeah take that out of the universe (laughs) take that out
0: of the universe i'll let somebody else do it and i will instruct them on the study (laughs) but it's true we do not regard hair as precious when it's on an animal and we're grooming it as when it's a human hairdressers are careful with how they put product in the hair. They squeeze conditioner through the hair instead of rubbing it. There's very little rubbing of hair if you're a well-educated hairdresser. Drying is done by pat drying, not by rubbing. Everybody knows that dogs like to be rub-a-dub-dub in the tub, but if it's a bearded collie, it's a bad idea. You do not want to rub long hair that has to have a long lifespan on a dog at all. It'll actually damage it. So there's just a lot of techniques and a lot of ideas and constructs and instructions that have never reached the grooming table, the groom room, because we regard animal hair as something less easily damaged or something that doesn't matter or something that that is just
1: animal. Not worthy of care, not worthy of the same attention. And I saw a meme, a groomer's meme that
0: said, you can't be mean to dog hair and expect it to look like a Louis Vuitton purse. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Uh You're not going to get that result. And we don't pay attention to that. We have not been instructed to pay attention to that. And we don't even know the truth about everything that we're doing to the hair that we're working with. We yank mats out. We do. We use those serrated, ugly, freaking saw. Tools to saw through mats without any regard about how that's leaving
1: the hair that was in that mat. Tangent. I did my English cream retriever, also known as a golden retriever. And I looked at the dog and I was like, oh no, I thought she threw that freaking ferminator away. The dog, all of its hair is about an inch and a half long now. And it stands up like a Brillo pad. She's broken so much hair off of this beautiful golden retriever's coat. And I've talked to her about it, so I have to let it go. Plus, she's in her 80s. She's really getting that coat out of there in between groomings. (laughs) You know, every time
0: somebody says I did something or other with a Furminator, I say, throw that thing away. We've had this discussion, this lady and me, we've had it. And apparently she doesn't get it. What you need to say is, would you use that on your hair? And it's, would you use that on your hair? Would you use that on your mother's long hair? No. <laughs> so we need to start treating a dog hair, if we care, if we're trying to prevent damage yeah for' trying to prevent damage and that and so I, I really need to reach out more to dog show people and try to instruct them on hair damage and hair care because they're just making it up. I watched I know I'm I'm way off the hair repair thing, I'm into hair damage, but that's where I went. and I watched a top notch top of the level handler at a show, take a Havanese out of a crate and start ironing its hair with a hot iron w- without any kind of protection sprayed on that coat. And at the same time, bitch about how the dog had been taken from his care and given to a- another handler and the other handler
1: ruined the coat. <laughs> I had just keep my mouth shut. That's a tough one. That was hard. It was a growth moment.
0: (laughs) It happens at the show, but if you watch someone with a fragile coat, like a Maltese in full coat, they are being so careful. They are being so kind to that hair at the dog show. That dog will be laying down. They will be line-combing it. They will be Spraying it, they will be loving it, they will be picking mats apart. You can do a lot of fast work at brushing and combing out a coat if you use good products and good drying technique, and use things like the Pinello comb. The Pinello hybrid brush comb is the best first level of action for doing long coats. You should break it apart with the pinello comb. It's not going to damage the hair nearly, and the dog is going to tolerate it a lot better. But let's talk about repair. So we have not even seen the beginning of hair repair in the dog grooming industry. One of the ingredients that has been used in several of the really top-level hair repair product lines
1: is glutamic acid. Can I go into that now? No, we need to take a quick break and hear from the people who are paying our bills, and then I will let you go with glutamic acid. Sometimes my clients don't like a walking air freshener. When these crazy people request a scent-free option, I go right to show season.
0: Show Season True Tearless Shampoo and Hypo Conditioner fit the bill. They are totally fragrance-free and yet hold up on their own as good products. True Tearless has been expertly formulated to be gentle to the eyes, skin, and hair while maintaining good cleaning power. Hypo Conditioner is a great option as well, and it's one of our favorite conditioners with or without fragrance, so...
1: Let's get fragrance free. Use Food Careless and Hypo Conditioner from Show Season today. Go to ShowSeasonGrooming.com.
0: Chris Bear Anthony here visiting the Groom Pod. So, if you know me, you know how much I love my Evolution shears. They are the only shears I actually use. So, check out all the options, including customizable non swivels, at EvolutionShears.com and give Abby a shout with any questions you might have. GroomPod listeners get $10 off and free shipping with the code GROOMPOD. So check them out today.
1: Your hands will thank you. Groomers, take your seats. It's time for Beebird's Classroom. All right, it's all yours.
0: Okay, so let's talk about glutamic, gluten, say it <laughs>
1: glutamic acid. <laughs>
0: Glutamic acid is a non-essential amino acid, part of protein, that's important to hair. And it is found in some of these hair repair formulas. Not all of them. There's a lot of different ingredients that are helpful. But one of the things that pops up kind of repeatedly is glutamic acid. And I first found it in the Pantene Rescue Shots that I've reviewed before and that I really like. It's in other hair repair products. And I looked through a number of top-level and dog conditioners, and I only found glutamic acid in one conditioner, and it's Chris Christensen Spectrum 10. Conditioner. Huh. So, isn't that interesting? You see, these ingredients, and I'll have to inform you that silicones are a big part of hair repair products, especially cationic silicones, as are cationic proteins. Cationic are ones that are called quats, and they say like. Hydrodipronium, anything that has IUM in it is a quaternized ammonium compound that has been made particularly substantive to hair. This means that it can build up. Okay, But here we go again, in hair repair technology, a little bit of buildup is a good thing because it keeps protecting the hair. You will see in marketing for some hair repair products that it will say you get further strengthening every time you use it what is that saying that saying a little bit of build-up is a good thing <laughs> yes. that's what they're saying even though they're not saying that and then you can reach a point where build-up is too much the hair looks mushy or stringy or whatever. And you need to clarify and go back to go or back closer to go. But there's going to be quaternized proteins. And by the way, P protein contains a high level of glutamic acid. Oh, one of the reasons I was disappointed when I groom reformulated and took out the pea protein ingredients, there, there were a couple of them in the original charcoal keratin formula. They ditched them. They ditched their glutamic acid. If you would like to just kind of take a look at modern hair repair technology, go to Croda. International, CRODA. They're a chemical company that's very innovative in that area. And you can read up about some of their ingredients, including their pea protein ingredients, which are used in their repair formulas. There's a lot of information there. if You're geeky about this like me. (laughs) And if you are just tune in to me, and I'll try to keep you informed, but pea protein is a good thing Some time ago, a couple of people asked on the groom pod discussion group on Facebook, what would I put in my own shampoo or my own products if I formulated them? Yes, and I refused to answer the question. I just ignored it, and that's because the company's secret people. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someday I am going to formulate my own products, and I'm not going to give away the ingredients now. All right. pea protein would be in there. Okay. As would glutamic acid. I love drop-coated breeds. I lived with Laza Opsos for years. I now have Maltese. I love the fluffy hair. I love long hair. Um, I had, now have long hair of my own I like caring for the bearded collies that I groom. I would groom an Afghan hound. I love it. I love dog hair. I love to work on promoting a healthy long-haired coat. And what we need to recognize about long-haired dogs is that that hair has to last for a long, long time. And and this is even true of double-coated dogs like Huskies and Malamutes and those northern breeds, those German Shepherd coats, those primary hairs, the primary coat, the dark, thick, colored hairs, they stay in a resting phase. They grow out to a certain length, and then they stay in a resting phase for sometimes as long as seven years. That's a long time to have to protect the hair. Yeah, so they're subject to a lot more what's called weathering or aging of the hair cuticle, which is another word for damage. <laughs> weathering or aging is associated with chips and cracks and opening holes in the hair cuticle so that it becomes less and less hydrophobic and water repellent and more and more hydrophilic and takes on water and can become mushy so double coated dogs are very interesting because they have a lot of these finer less well protected undercoat hairs the undercoat you can look at it you can look at it two or three hairs from the primary hairs and look at a a handful of undercoat and see what the difference in dimension and, and property is of those two. You can, undercoat hair is so easily damaged and that's why it mats up in there so much more than the primary coat mats. The undercoat mats up because it's so easily damaged and even shampooing without conditioning can damage that coat, Um, and UV radiation can damage coat. That's the sun, folks. What? That's the sun, folks. The sun. Sun is damaging to our hair. It's damaging to animal hair. It can take a black chow and turn it brown. I've seen that. Seen it. Been have seen it. There's nothing you can do about that. You can dye it. But hair dye does damage, too. Right. By the way, color freaks, <laughs> you know, that's one reason to be very careful with what you use, bleaching is terrible on hair. Bleaching is how they create damaged hair in the laboratory for laboratory experiments. They bleach it, and then if they if it's not damaged enough from the chemical, they wash it four or five times with sodium lauryl sulfate. They what? shampoo it with a harsh surfactant four or five times, and then it's really fucked up. <laughs> and then they see if they can repair it. <laughs> Damn it! I wish I could redo my life and have a dog hair lab science place. Yes. I wish you that as well. That would be awesome. I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back as a dog hair scientist. I promise you. If I can't come back as a dog hair scientist, I ain't coming back. All
1: right, then. (laughs)
0: I'll go with that. (laughs) So look for pea protein. Look for glutamic acid. If you find it in pet products, tell me. I found some. Hey, bird. This has it. we want to know.
1: Yes. Good stuff.
0: By the way, just a few minutes before we went on air today, I discovered a study of mice. They, Mice hair has historically been studied to gain information about human hair. I saw a study, a multidimensional study of mice hair that showed that glutamic acid Applied topically, promoted hair growth. Promoted hair growth. Now I got to try it on Bandit with a bald tail. Yes. I haven't even started the emu oil.
1: Well, did you find it?
0: No, but I ordered some more. The dog dropped his appointment when the grandbaby came, uh, and he's coming in next week. But anyway, heads up. If you find this ingredient let me know. If it's in your hair product, let me know. Let's keep a track of glutamic acid. It's not the only thing that repairs hair and maybe promotes hair growth. No, this study was really... I mean, they did in vitro and in vivo in the petri dish and on the live mice. And they have pictures. And uh, maybe I should publish the link to the study
1: when we put up this episode. Okay, if we forget somebody asks for it if you want to see it. I will try, boy it's harder for me to remember
0: than ever these days at 83. I forget a lot of shit. <laughs> you know, every day it's a matter of forgiving myself for forgetting something. Every day it used to just happen once or twice a year. not happens every damn day. I have to forgive myself. But that's the thing. I've learned how to forgive myself. Yes, it's part of the aging
1: process. <laughs> because I forget I made a mistake anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. That was fun revisiting hair repair again because it's constantly changing. And it's becoming more real. It's
0: still temporary, but it's more lasting than 10 years ago.
1: It's improving. And on that note, we will call it a show. Science marches on. It sure does. Science is on our side. Okay, well, thanks for being here. Remember to support our sponsors. Oh, I almost forgot. I wanted to tell you guys what our super secret project is going to be that we're coming up to in June. And Barbara and I are actually going to fly to South Carolina and have a tour of the Hanvey Van Facility, And we're going to take you guys along with us. And we're very excited about it. So I did want to share that at the end for all you guys who have made it all the way through this episode. And thanks for being here, Barbara. Thanks for listening, listeners. L- listening ears. <laughs> They are listeningers. <laughs> Thank you, listeners, for being here as well. And thanks to the sponsors. And happy grooming, everyone. See you next time on the Groom Pod. Bye bye now. We love you.